Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun. More on them and Paru Bay in a minute. Paru Bay preview men and women's edition. It's a bit later compared to the other Monument previews, Flanders and San Remo. The reason for that is I refuse to be burned a third time. Fool me once, fool me twice. I was an idiot, and now I'm not going to be an idiot the third time <laughs> with the Paris Bay preview. We were. I was not doing it before the Jumbo Visma Valpanar participation announcement, which we'll discuss in a second as well. But he's in, and so we are cleared for liftoff. But we'll kick off with the men's. Previews from Compania to Roubaix, 257 kilometers, 31 cobbled sectors. They have an open, flat, non-cobbled first uh, 95 kilometers before they hit the Troville. Uh, I struggle with these ones a lot. It's like weird French. It's near the Belgian border. It's really tough for me. Anyway. 31 cobbled sectors, they vary between 3, 4, 5, some less in terms of star rating. The big ones are often Troy Darnberg, the Havluia Wallers before that, also Campan, Pavel, and Carrefour de Labre are pretty big ones as well, as well as, yeah, Monson Pavel is a big one at 50Ks to go. Last year was wet, this year it isn't. What do you think, Benji? How do you think? It going back, like, is last year an anomaly? Do you expect to see a peloton of 30, 25 riders entering Arenberg with 100 k's to go like we saw last year uh, in the wet conditions? I think it's certainly an anomaly when you compare it to the other Roubaix surrounding that, the dry Roubaix, because we've got a big difference between a wet Roubaix and a dry Roubaix. Also, when it comes to the fandom, people like a rainy Roubaix. But when it comes to the difference there is, you mentioned it, the riders going into Trouet-Arenberg, sector 20 on the parkour with roughly 100k to go. That is where we see a big difference between those editions. The dry editions have a peloton of like 50 to 70 riders still before Trouet-Arenberg, if not more. And then we look at the dry Roubaix of last year, the rainy Roubaix of last year, and it was very limited to like, what was it, 15 riders, 20 riders, not more than that. So that's a big difference, and it also makes a very different race because once you get to Trouet-Arenberg, it's only the favorites left last year. In other years, there's domestiques there and so forth. So I think there's a big difference there. But obviously, if a crash happens before Trouet-Arenberg and there's 20 people left, that might have the same effect. But on paper, without a serious crash before that point of the race, we should have a larger peloton than last year and therefore not necessarily have the race open up that early as last year because I swear, people were attacking with 150k to go last year. Normally, in the dry conditions, the first 50Ks of cobbles, there are not huge, decisive splits. I was about to say GC action, but action from the big <laughs> guns in the race. It really opens up after Arenberg in the last 100Ks to go, and then it's pretty much anything could happen. Any cobbled sector, 
someone could crash or someone could attack. And we, I mean, we can't rule out attacks this year before Arenberg or on Arenberg. There is, a, after all, NVDP on the start line, but I still think it's unlikely uh, that that sort of thing happens. Uh, as you know, they finish in the velodrome. Seven of the last 10 years or so have been a sprint of some description with notable solos being Bonin and Terpstra. I think Bonin was... See, solo, you'll know better than me in 2012, Benji. Yeah, like certainly a 52-kilometer solo. Okay. So uh, crazy, crazy stuff. Pretty kind good. of Ambala style when it comes to his Warzone of London win, but in a, a race that actually matters, which is Paris-Roubaix. <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I do think that most of the editions, like you said, were sprints, and I think that it's intriguing because it's always so stressful when the riders go with multiple riders into the velodrome it's something that always keeps me so hyped and when it's, a, when it's a solo victory the velodrome is a bit less less special to me so i won the sprint at the end of Roubaix. yeah i agree even if it's what looks like a foregone conclusion like dillier and sagan it's still exciting nonetheless there's that tension to the line before we get into the top favorites by the betting markets at least a word on our show partner zwift Zwift are the title sponsor of Paris Bay Fam Avec Zwift, but they're also this year the title sponsor of the Tour de France Fam for the next four years. On Saturday for the Paris Bay Fam Avec Zwift, it marks a hundred days until the start of the Tour de France Fam Avec Zwift, and Zwift are calling on, and we are as well, evidently, calling on fans to watch the Fam race as the women's peloton takes on the TDF for the first time in decades. For more information on how Zwift are working to grow a stronger and more inclusive community or to dive in and start riding with a free seven-day trial, head to Zwift.com through the link in the description down below. I can't wait for that Tour de France um, race, particularly the uh, Chemin Blanc or whatever, the White Road stage. <laughs> but more on that uh, in due course. The top favourites in Paris-Roubaix, the men's race, Benji, MVP. He's edged ahead of Pedersen, but Pedersen's right there. MVP's $4.25, Pedersen's $4.50. Um, and Van Aert, who's been announced, is third favourite on eight. Asgren fourth at 13, and Laporte on 13 as well. And they're the, they're the five favourites I really see. Um, are you surprised Pedersen is so short? Compared to Flanders, you would never give him equal footing with MVP. They're basically given the same chance by the market. I'm not really surprised that he's that high when it comes to like favoritism in this race. I personally was considering putting him next to Vanderpool as a favorite for this race, but I'm in doubt of that since his crash recently in Circuit Sard. But I've learned from MSR, Milano Sanremo, that we shouldn't look at crashes beforehand. Mohoric's knee pain before MSR wasn't showing during MSR either. So I try and look past those uh, crashes and try and expect most riders at full fours and therefore Peterson with a sprint at the end which is a very important factor here a big sprint after a harder race if he goes to a sprint in a group he's likely the favorite for me in that group and that's the intriguing part of him next to that last year he was one of those riders that entered through it in bed with the likes of Vanderpool and Colbrelli and eventually ended up crashing into Roe or Roe crashed him out on Ardenberg accidentally most likely but in the end it's showing that he was certainly one of the top 10 riders in that race, if not higher. I was looking at him for one of the favorites in those rainy conditions last year as well. I actually personally agree, but 
there's a lot of people that seem to, from my perspective, underrate Peterson in that sense, saying that he shouldn't be favored, he shouldn't well, be near that? Van der Poel. Let's think about it. One world champs 2019, mm-hmm. COVID completely fucked his 2020 season in world champs, no Roubaix. 2021, then there's a whole 2021 with no Roubaix in April, and then he's going well in Roubaix, what he says is his best race, and Roy crashes him out. So we've literally not seen Pete Pedersen able to complete a Roubaix, and we haven't seen him do a dry yep. Roubaix. So that's why I think, and, and the clear comparison is Dan Cobb 2015. Like, if you have the best sprint out of the strong men, out of the top classics guys, Roubaix is the one for you because as long as you can stay in touch, which is easy said than done, on the cobbles, then it's actually hard to get rid of guys late in the race. And it's not wet where MVP in the wet conditions last year was just insane handling-wise. We have yeah. dry conditions here. So it's just like if the sprint, if all these five guys go to the sprint in the velodrome, Benji, Pedersen, I think, is the top guy to win out of that sprint. But I worry about what Jasper Sturvin thinks and, and that as well. Otherwise. Yeah. MVP, I think correctly is the favourite. He's one Flanders, third at MSR, one Dwarz Duel. Looks really good. That all makes sense. Wout, how do you? It's impossible to know, Benji. No one knows. I don't even think he could know what condition he could be in this weekend. Yeah, I agree in that. They have held him out of Amstel, as we saw, and now he's announced to go to Bay. He's also announced to go to Liège, Baston Liège. Uh, by Harlan recently. The team has not yet confirmed that. So I'm hoping that he does because I've been shouting for that for like years. But when it comes to Bay, it's it's difficult to have a feeling towards whether he's going to be in good form or not. Now, the words of Marijn Zeman, the DS, were a ride like Wout can still play a role in supporting Christoph Laporte, Mike Turnison, and Nathan van Hooydonk. Now, I have no clue whether I should believe that or not, but I compare that with the stuff when it comes to Vanderpool before Milano San Remo, the fact that the Wout Fanat Strava stats are now hidden, like it's similar to the approach that Alpeson did with Vanderpool towards Milano San Remo, and he was still good. So I just consider every rider in relatively good enough condition if they go to a, ride, a race like Roubaix. It's not something you can show up for in a mild condition, in my personal opinion. So I'd say he's probably going to be quite all right from. Just that perspective of, I don't believe anything a team says anymore. If you're Rudolph, what do you tell MVP? You, I think you still say we have to treat Wapanat like he's Wapanat. Um, that's the only option, uh, which is good for Yumbo because that opens up opportunities for them. Let's talk about the actual teams, though, of these favourites. Asgren being the one who's not, let's be honest, Quickstep have had their worst classics campaign including at Brabant's for a long, long time, and Amstel. They have Ballerini, Lampard, Steimler, Asgren, Stiebar, De Klerk, Seneschal. They are aging. Like, Stiebar's been really, really good at Roubaix for years and years and years. The wet conditions... And they had uh, equipment issues last year. I think they ran tubeless or something. I can't yeah. remember what they ran, and they literally all flatted like three times. So Lampard looked good. He was on MVP's wheel with like 70Ks to go, and then they all flatted. So that's tough. If there was a race that suited them a bit more, it's this. I think the punchy style of 
the way the heels were done in the classics really hurt them. How do you think they'll play it, Benji? I've read all those names, really reputable classics guys. Are they going to do again what they did in Flanders where they pretended like they were the, the top team and they were pacing after Asgren had been half dropped on the previous climb? Are they going to do the old quick step way of flowing riders into attacks? I, I still think that's their best option because, like, Asgren probably can't just drop Pedersen and MVDP on his own and he's not beating both of them in a sprint. I think so as well, and I think the goal of any team against the likes of an Alpes and Phoenix is to make sure they use their team strength to isolate Vanderpool during the race, and I think the way to do that is by trying to send people forward like Quickstep might do, for example. Like, at the start of a race, in cobble races in the past, we'd have Tim Leclerc pacing in the peloton. I think last year he went into the breakaway, but I'm not sure about it in one of the classics. I'd say that did, Tim Leclerc would be... last year, I think. Okay. I'd say that Tim Leclerc would indeed go in the breakaway again to prevent them from having to do anything in the peloton for the majority of the time in the race. And then when it comes to the uh, cobbles coming up, I do expect them to roll attacks and try and get people forward in that way because that's how they can make sure that they put Alpecin under pressure and the other teams that they're up against. I think that they might have allies in that when it comes to other teams. We'll get to that in a bit. But I do expect this team to be better than previously because. The troubles happened quite a bit ago in the team. Like, Leclerc came back from his heart issue and is gradually upping his form. Ballerini was back from his bronchitis, is gradually upping form. Lampard has complete focus on, on Roubaix since the start of the season because there's like a Belgian TV program. I think it's called Iedereen Berumd or something with a section about Lampard's w preparation towards Roubaix. And it seems like that's really the race he is preparing for. And I think the same goes for Seneschal, because Seneschal was talking last year all about wanting to focus completely on this race, Paris-Roubaix, last year, and it didn't really work out for him, quite certainly. And I think I just expect this team to be better. I think Stibar had a great result in the past at this race. I think the one that Van Avermaet won in 2018 is my mind serving me right. I, I expect this team He's to be better. He's second twice. Okay. I think I uh, believe in Quickstep more at this moment in the preseason than in the other races. I agree, but yeah, like Stieber, 36 years old, he's not been he's been off the pace at all the other classics, but this is the one that suits him best. Um, but yeah, he can't win a sprint. <laughs> they have to they have to have an open race if they want to win because Benji already mentioned it. Van der Poel's team, no Dries de Bon, from what I can see on PCS. Jonas Rickart's got a, an issue with his leg. He's got like a dead leg and he can't, they're trying to get to the bottom of it. He was good. Remember when MVP flattered after Arenberg last year, Jonas yeah. Rickart was the man that brought him back. No Philipson, who was also strong last year in the wet conditions. He actually could have played a real role here. They have Guillaume Van Kielsbuch, Senelace, and I think Van Kielsbuch has actually been okay as a domestique at this race in the past. Merlier, Jenny Vermeersch is good. Dillier came second before Vapmota and MVDP. It looks okay on paper, Benji, but when the going, when it's real crunch time, I don't really see any of these guys being able to help MVDP if, if Seneschal attacks or Van Hoydonk attacks. Hmm. I don't know. I agree. I agree in that. And I think there are still strong riders in that 
in that squad again. Johnny Vermeer, as you mentioned him, like that's the one lieutenant I see in that team sure, that is going good. to make it towards the final of this race. And I think last year he had a mechanical or something very late in the race that made him not be in the final. But when it comes to the rest of the team, it's uh, Julian Vermeer seems like the kind of rider that rides at the front of the peloton in the initial part of this race. Senna Leyston, I don't expect too much from him in this race. Sylvain Dillier had that great result, you said it, but uh, it's. I think the team will be able to support him relatively well, but when the race explodes, they're all gone except for Johnny Vermeers. Yeah, and what they can do is, I guess, hold gap stable and then MBDP will try and bridge on cobbled sections, but that still costs him something and that's what I think the other teams have to do to try and work him over. Before we get to Yumbo, who I think should pursue a pretty similar strategy to Quickstep, Trek Segafredo, Sturven, Darnul, big young Dutch guy, huge engine on that kid. Edward Turns, Kirsch, who's been very, very good Kirsch in the classics so far. Hulgard, the Norwegian who came from UNOX, and obviously Pedersen. I think, Benji, you have to put Sturven in complete prison for Pedersen here. <laughs> I think, no, I don't really see much of a benefit in Sturven going up the road at any point because if he goes up the road and then Pedersen has an issue well that's not you can't help him or if he gets dropped by MVP or Wout or Asger on a cobbled section well that's not gonna you can't help him up the road and if they bridge to Sturven that's not a good situation because he ain't winning the sprint so they, they probably won't do it but I think Sturven prison um, and I think they should want I think they should want that race Benji where literally it was like there was one year there was like 30-man group going into Carrefour de Labra or something. They should want a huge group going to the Peloton yeah. and an easy race and Pedersen bunch sprint. I don't believe in an easy race and 30 men going into uh, that Carrefour de Labra section knowing that Vanderpool is at the start of this race and he's going to hammer it on the sections between 70 and 50 kilometers to go in this race, like in Orshi or she or Orshi, those sectors. But when I look at their team, I agree. I can't be able to him. They sent Stiven forward. They allowed him to work with the breakaway to go for his chances in a group sprint where he was never going to get a top two. So that was a flawed tactic completely. And then I look at Roubaix and I see them. I see the potential of making the same mistake, having Stiven in a group ahead and then saying to Stiven, okay, you can ride with, I don't know, Laporte or let's say with Kung, you should ride. I think he can beat Kung in a sprint. Like that's something I'm pretty clear about. Kung will but, drop him. <laughs> no, I, I don't believe that. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe Kung is good, but I don't think it's going to be that easy, that, that easy to drop Steven either. But I agree that Mess Peterson is the big one for that team, and I'd argue that they should indeed focus on Mess Peterson because, like you said, Steven only wins if he sprints against a really shit sprinter at the end of the race or if he's solo. And that's a scenario I don't really see happening in this race. I think Sturvin loses a sprint to Kung in Roubaix. He would lose it. He lost to Dries van Pestel after he was a domestique for Sagan in Henfevelhem. Uh, but anyway, that's what we think Trek should do. Jumbo Wiesner is the big unknown, as we said. They have Afini Rosen, who's in the break last year, maybe. Mick van Dijk, the young Dutch talent. Nathan van Hooydonk, who's been unreal this classic season. Turnison who's done well in top 10 Roubaix before. Laporte, who came sixth last year with a bike that was barely working. He had to brake with his foot. And, of course, Wout van Aert. I think, 
I think you have to let Laporte try Benji, not just for him, because you don't know Wout's condition, which maybe it's great, maybe it's not, but I don't think you can put Laporte into any sort of prison. And I think they just should, what's the best way to beat MVP? Put Wout in a seat and have Kristoff attack. And then, you know, in that, that 70K zone. So I think I think Laporte has to be allowed to attack. And like in Ken Fableham, people don't want to mark him. Yeah, that's true. And it's going to be intriguing to see whether Laporte has moved up on the ranking for the competitors when it comes to the riders that they mark. Like at Hendry Evelham, it's kind of different because people were probably focusing on a sprint, but in a, a race like Roubaix, they might mark him more than Hendry Evelham, in my opinion. But it's going to be intriguing whether the competition will mark Wout the most because of his palmarès, or we'll look at that COVID situation as, okay, perhaps we should mark him less and focus on Laporte as well. It's so, it's difficult to guess that from the ex- perspective of the competition as well. And I think that's something that the competition is going to struggle with and that Jumbo Visma might be able to exploit in this race. And the intriguing aspect there is that I don't think those riders are necessarily the only good riders on that team. We've seen a very good Nathan von Hoedonk recently, both at RVV where he went early went late into the race, and then we looked at Amstel where he went into the attack as well. Perhaps, I don't know, perhaps it's one of those riders that could end up being quite far into the race, and I'm pretty hyped about Mick van Dijk after what I saw at RVV. I don't know how they'll play him out in that race specifically, but I just have the feeling that Mick van Dijk is a rider that, let's say, let's say Mick van Dijk gets in the breakaway. That's the kind of rider that I see surprising people in the way that Vermeers did last year and those are intriguing aspects and I think this is a stronger team than for example well obviously stronger team than Alpeson for example but I'd say Jumbo is a at least a top three team at this race yeah I think so I think one of the other teams we haven't mentioned yet is Ineos who don't have like a top five favorite but as a collective they are a big contender for this race because of the depth and strength of their team. They will obviously want an open, aggressive race. They don't have a... Well, Viviani's apparently down, but I don't really... And I'm going to ride for Viviani, I don't think. Uh, they got Roe, Viviani, Kwiatkowski, who just won Amstel, Ghana, Van Bala, Turner and Sheffield, both of those last two, the absolute revelations of the classics so far with Sheffield winning Rabantz yesterday. I think they want an open race. Van Baal always attacks early. They all have similar profiles in terms of big engines, particularly Ghana, Turner, and Sheffield. And do they, they surely got to try and get one of them in the break. Is Turner too, I think you can't let him in the break, Benji. If I'm the other teams, I, sh- I don't let him in the break. If Ben Turner is in the break, I'm, I'm going to be quite surprised when it comes to the freedom they give Ineos in this race. And I'd be more likely to see a Filippo Ganna try and go in the breakaway. Nah, they won't let him. I think they might let Ganna in the breakaway. I genuinely believe that is a possibility. Because I don't think many people expect the world of Ganna here, despite the fact that we've seen him great on those Montalcino gravel sections, and we've been saying for years that he should be doing Roubaix. I just feel like I've been announcing or hyping it up, and now I'm like, okay... Was I expecting too much? Do I still expect the same? I'm scared of what Gana will do in this race because I really don't know. It's like something I, I've got no grasp on his ability of 
doing Roubaix here and whether it's only the cobbles that he's going to be good at. Because, for example, at that uh, Giro stage, he was doing it from the front of the peloton. Will his positioning in the group be good enough? Will his technique be good enough in cornering and so forth? His, his, yeah, his ability to maneuver around riders on the cobbles? I don't know what to expect from Filippo Ganna, but I do agree that the team is incredibly strong and Fombala is one of the riders that I see top five in this race. And I'd argue that despite his performance at Brabant Sepel, in which Magnus Sheffield did ride away in a bit of a fluke way, like they literally just kind of let him go and didn't jump on the wheel, but he was definitely strong enough to deliver it. And I'd argue that he still might be able to get in the breakaway. Yeah, I think he could be letting the brake turn, or I just Turner, you don't want to let the brake. But maybe the long it's a long distance compared to Brabant's. It's two hundred and sixty Ks. I don't expect too much of Ghana, to be honest. He's sixth favourite bookies. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. but that's a surprise Viani? to me. Nah. Breakaway? Like Philipson last year? Ah, uh, that's a good point. Viviani's more who I would expect in there. You gotta remember though, they might not have a top top favourite for this race, but Ineos were maybe having the correct tyre pressure in Moscon's tyres away from winning this last year. They are always have been consistently good at this race. Stannard, Rowe, remember in 2016, Rowe launching Stannard into a sector before, after a crosswind section. They're just they're going to do something. They're going to activate the race. And don't be surprised to see two Ineos in a group of eight in the last 50 kilometres before yeah. or after Mozon Pavel. Then going on to another team that I'd argue has a pretty strong squad, knowing what we've seen from the other classics, is the likes of Bahrain Victorious. Fred Wright has been showing quite a bit this year as well. Mohoric, Hausler, Trotnik. I think Jonathan Milan is a bit of a, a Ghana situation. Very similar rider, but worse. Significantly worse, in my opinion. And as a consequence, I don't know what to expect from him either. I don't expect him to go extremely far, but... I think the focus should just be on the four riders we mentioned, which is Wright, Mohoric, Hauser, and Trotnik. Trotnik has been amazing, is now rumored to go to Jumbo Visma, according to our recent transfer. We can talk about that at some point in the future, because that's quite intriguing. But Hausler obviously destined to podium this race, inevitable, like he is the god, and therefore I support him completely. He's one of those riders that an entire season you can hear almost nothing from him, and then at Roubaix, he's likely to top 15. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, top 15, literally, I would be surprised if he wouldn't, frankly. But should he? Uh, I don't should like he not domestique? I don't like Tratnik for it. Okay. Tratnik's a puncher. He's good on the uh, the punchy hills. Fred Wright, absolute animal. If Fred Wright tops fives this, don't be surprised. If he's in the velodrome with some favorites, don't be surprised. Remember on the Volvo the kid is. Again, maybe he's actually a bit like Tratnik too. He prefers the punch rather than the cobbles. I don't know. It, this is such a different race. Uh, but Bahrain, obviously, they've won Milano San Remo. You just got to not be surprised if they're on the podium of another monument. Uh, Lotto Sudal, Campanats seems to be at the end of his performance peak. Permesh came second last year, should have won last year, actually, if he'd uh, gone a little bit later. I think he would have won comfortably. He won't be allowed in the break again. It was a wet edition. I think Vermeersch can top 10. I don't think he makes the group of, of favourites. What, what's the sentiment around Vermeersch, Benji? Fluke Dillier Pollitt or legit guy for Roubaix for a decade to come? I think he's a legit guy that might be strong for the next decade, but I don't necessarily see him as like the last top eight material yet. I see him as 
top 20 should be doable for Florian Vermeers. And it also gave him the benefit that he was in the breakaway last year. Let's not underrate that. Can he go in the breakaway again? I'd argue, yes. And I base that on the fact that his season so far this year has not been amazing. And I think that's why I believe that he should get in the breakaway again, try that again. And he might be able to copy-paste that same performance and might be able to top 10 again in the same formation, perhaps even closer. You don't know what the situation in the race will behold. I think the breakaway has less chance of getting as far on a dry race than on a rainy race. But I still think that the breakaway in Roubaix has always shown to be able to get at least one rider into the last spot of the race. And he should try again. As simple as that. Oh, ooh, that's intriguing. It depends on whether he can go there. I think that's always an opportunity for riders to go. We see that in dry Roubaix, it's often like the peloton just kind of stocks a bit, just stops a bit after Adam Bergen. That's opportunities for someone like Vermeers to go, like you just mentioned. And I don't know. He could also win the early breakaway. Like, he could try both. If one fails, try the other. I think if he goes early break, people are like, nah, not that, not a big fan of that, buddy. Yeah. But if he goes post-Arenberg, <laughs> I think some teams will be like, oh, he's not that good, is he? Like, And I think he might get some license. Uh, otherwise, the most underrated team who have had a shocking season so far for various reasons, sickness, injuries, and other things, Israel Premier Tech, they did not even participate at Tour of Flanders, which I don't know if Van Marker was actually fit. He's obviously been on the podium of Roubaix, lost the sprint to uh, Cancellara in 2013. He's been fourth three times. This is maybe his best race. Uh, I don't know why they didn't call up like me, you, and a few guys from the development team to at least pair with him at Flanders for some points. He's here, obviously, but the most, the most underrated rider on the in this race. His odds were like 750 yesterday. Is Guillaume Bovin? Three riders made G1 from the peloton last year: Mathieu Van der Poel, Sonny Colbrelli. And Guillaume Bovin was there before he got crashed out. They caught up to Vermeesh and Moscon. He, like, he could be one of these guys who Roubaix is his thing. Maybe he's just a swimmer. Like, he's 32 years old. He came ninth last year despite that crash. He only joined World Tour after being in the Cycling Academy team. Oh, he's always been on Israel. I don't know. I just think he's hugely underrated. To make G1 last year, that is special. And just don't be surprised if he's there as well. I think... Didn't he crash? Yeah, he got he crashed. He got, got, group. He got yeah. crashed out. Yeah, yeah. Ulla's there with Holmenstein Bermans. I'm just saying. That's my, that's my big note of the day on Premier Tech. Sepp Benji, what do you want from Sepp? He's crashing, I don't right? expect anything from Sepp. He's likely going to puncture with like three cobble sections to go. If he's at the front... God will decide. The cycling gods will decide. He's not going to win today. So I um I expect that at least. Like, we haven't seen much from Seb this year either. And yes, it's been partially due to the fact that Israel has been tormented with, tormented with sickness throughout the year. I agree that I expect perhaps a fluke from Boivin again. He was not only 9 Fed Roubaix last year, but 17 Fed Worlds in Flanders. So that might perhaps show that it's not necessarily the rain alone that did it because it was not raining on Worlds in Flanders, for example. I think that, ah, I think he, they should, they should just try and send riders in the breakaway like a Boivin because 
even if it is the lead group towards the end, I have a hard time believing that a Boavin can follow the accelerations of the likes of a Vanderpool and so forth on cobble sections. And therefore, trying to slip away in between cobble sections seems to be the way to go for this team when it comes to their riders. But I'm not going to lie, I'm not that bullish on Israel Premier Tech this year. All right, Benji said it. I think he's probably right. I'm going to whip through some of the big outsiders and Benji can chime in on the ones he thinks has a real chance. Total will be going for Tergis. I'm not sure if Sagan's even participating, but his forms look awful. As does uh, Citroën have Narsen and Van Avermaet. Van Avermaet's actually been okay. Uh, he's obviously won this race in 2017. FDJ is Kung and Aski, EF, Langefeld, Bissiger, who actually was in the break last year. Kukulera, who's been in the move in 2016, I think, with Bonin. UAE, Trenton, Arkea, Swift, Intermarche, Christoph Kleis, Kofidis Valais, Bora Hala Pollitt, Pollitt second in 2018, DSM, Jon, Jon, he's not Jon, he's a hero, John <laughs> I don't know why I made him Basque. Um, <laughs> anyone pique your interest there, Benji? I think Christoph's a little overrated for this. Alexander Christoph? Yeah, he's actually never done well at Roubaix. He's always been a Flanders man. Yeah. I think uh, I mentioned on a podcast or a few podcasts ago that in 2019 he had some trouble, or was it last year he had some trouble, one of the two, with choosing tubeless tires and it didn't really go well towards the uh, race there. But I agree that this race has never been his, his best race. He's always been kind of cursed in this race, whether it's just being in bad form or whether it's having bad luck when it comes to punctures or crashes and so forth. I do believe that this might be the opportunity to change that. His form in Skeldeprez was great. On RVV, he was one of the uh, top eight riders, or one of the first riders, actually, of the Copenhagen, which is quite insane, in my opinion, for Alexander Kristov. And I'm going to say he's going to break the curse. I believe in Alexander Kristov. He's 34. This is the year to do it. He's going to top 10 this race for the second time in his career, and it's going to be a seventh spot. Seventh spot? Not bad. Okay. Uh, Trentin, he had to work for Pog at RVV. That ended up being the right thing. Maybe this is his big chance to ride for himself. Kung has been... FDJ, I want to give a... I roasted FDJ. You know, I did. Uh, or maybe Demar at the, in their preview or whenever I did it. Um, I have to say they've been very, very strong in the classics. Demar has even had good shape. Kung, if he was to win a race, this would be the one. He obviously has to go solo. He yeah. just... Kung's just got to be a bit more of a mongrel, Benji. I reckon if I just talked to him for 10 minutes and be like, Stefan, the world is a deep, dark place. <laughs> These people in the race are not your friends. Do not help them. It's, he'd be winning everything. Um, yeah, so I, I hope agree to see. If, he, if he's pulling with MVP in the wheel, chasing like Laporte or Van Aert or Sturvin, I'll, I'll fight him personally. Um, yeah, you should. And <laughs> I want to I wanna actually... Uh, insult you for a second because you forgot about the myth demand the legend taco 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 and uh when talking about Anton Marche because you mentioned a lot about Christoph and he spoke very little about taco Vanderhorn. I believe taco Vanderhorn could be the man that stays into the final from the early breakaway you reckon he's Heyman like he's the hot yeah. Heyman gets in gets in deep I see that I see that I can't wait to see him with this 32 centimeter bars on the cobbles <laughs> <laughs> navigate imagine that in the wet <laughs> all right they were the outsiders that's Roubaix now time for our predictions I've got my deep outsiders as well as my top favorite for who I think wins the race I think Christophe Laporte wins 
uh, either in a sprint or solo. I think he wins. And yeah, because MVP will mark, of course, Wout van Aert. And my big outsider is Dan Ull. Okay, that's intriguing. I was expecting you to talk more about the likes of O'Connor Swift. Like, nah. Swift's actually, he's been really good at, remember that, um, that gravel race, Classica Hyena, whatever it was. Yeah. I think he likes a, a little bit of a, a hill here and there. And no, I'm not saying he can't top 15, of course, but Darnall is Vermeer's 2.0 from the early break, in my view. Okay, I see that. I certainly see that. When it comes to my favorites slash outsiders for this race, I think Denmark will come out on top. It's either Asgren or Mets Pedersen. I haven't figured out who of the two. If it comes down to a, a sprint in a group, it's going to be Pedersen. But I said at the start of the year that Kasper Asgren was my favorite for Roubaix. I think his form is growing quite nicely. And we saw that by his top 10 at Amstel as well. I was expecting a good result at Amstel. He did show that good result in my opinion. He was in that group that Witkowski eventually rode away from and was in that final I believe Asgren is the kind of rider that fits on a race like this. And the earlier it opens up, I think the better it is for Asgren because he's one of those riders that he really likes an attrition race. And the harder it is for the competition, the better he becomes compared to them because he can truck on for like hundreds of kilometers continuously. How he won E3 last year was attacking with 70k to go, eventually getting caught and going again. And that's not something a lot of riders can do. And that's something I see happening with Quickstep if, yeah, if they try and use their outnumbering on other riders, he might have an opportunity to try something and ride away. But the issue for him is that I think that Peterson might be able to follow, and that's why I'm not sure who of the two I'd pick. So I'm going to go with Asgreen solely for the fact that Peterson fell in circuit start, and I'm going to regret it because Peterson will likely win. Another name I want to throw out there is Olivier Le Gac. Uh, he's actually really strong and kind of able him. I think if he gets an early break, he can go deep into this race. Did you have a yeah. Did you have a five hundred to one outsider like I did, Benji? Yeah, I believe that. By the way, I just want to talk about the fact that when it comes to Bingle, I'm slowly, I'm slightly disappointed that Bastitoa is not on the starting list. <laughs> it's his dream race at the start of the videos. His dad showed up and said, "Oh, if there's one race that he dreams of winning, it's Paris-Roubaix. Very high bar for Bastitoa." But regardless of his level at the moment, it's such an exposure thing that he should 100% be in that team for marketing, for the sponsors, Belgian and Netherlands, so invested in, in this rider and his social media stuff. He might not be on the level of the other riders on the team in that race, I don't know, but his exposure is more than every other rider combined. Do I think he's going to win? No. Why did I say this during the outsider thing? Because I just saw that shirt of the team and I thought, okay, let's talk about it. But when it comes to my actual outsider, I am going to say that the outsider to win Paris-Roubaix is going to be... Why am I so bad at this shit? Like, you already I'm said always a hustler. Nah, he's not an outsider. He's a favorite, my Mate, friend. He's a, don't he's an don't call him an outsider. He's the legend piece. himself. I think the outsider we are looking at is... I believe in Taco van der Horn early breakaway yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's a fair call. I like that. Uh, and of, of course, like Ben Turner, his, his odds have plummeted down. He's 34 to 1 now. <laughs> he used to be an outsider, not anymore. Sheffield probably, he's 34 too. But yeah, that's our men's Paris Bay preview. Uh, I took Laporte, Benji took Anskarin, 
and we have a few uh, favourites like Darnell and who did you just pick? I forgot. Taco? Taco. Yeah, yeah, Taco as well. <laughs> All right. Now time for the Women's Paribay Femme Avec Swift preview. 125 kilometres from Denain, where there was the GP Denain cobbled race, same part of the world, which Roglic did the other week, to Roubaix. They do not do the Tour d'Amberg Havlui-Wallais section. They start at the Honang Avondigny cobbled sectors. They they do the same finale, though. Mont-en-Pavel, Carrefour de l'Arbre, Carrefour-en-Pavel, uh, the Orchi sectors, and then obviously in the velodrome at Roubaix. 125Ks, as I said, so about three hours, give or take. Apparently, we have more live coverage this year, which is great to see, and also obviously fantastic to see Zwift partnering as the title sponsor of the race. No Lizzie Diagnan, controversial Lizzie Diagnan, on the start list, Benji. She yep, won last certainly. year solo in the wet do you think i don't think the race will be the same as last year i think again like the men's i think it'll be much more controlled at least for the first part i agree in that aspect mind that it was somewhat expected that an early move could have an opportunity more than a later move because the logic is simple going ahead means that you're not in the group behind and the group behind is going to thin out because of the crashes on the wet Gobbles and so forth, and domestiques are going to be lost in the process. And the less domestiques in the chase, the better the chances that the breakaway makes it or the riders that ride away beforehand make it. And definitely, if you've got a gap that Dignan was able to create relatively quickly. Now, she was one of the stronger riders in the race. I won't deny that. 100% she was. But she was mostly clever in applying a tactic that rather in front when the Peloton was being devastated by crashes on the wet cobble sections. And now with a dry Roubaix, which is the likely foreshadowing of the weather at the moment, means that it's likely going to be a bit like we saw the pattern in men's races in the past, where dry Roubaix are a larger Peloton and not necessarily as decisive early on. Now, that doesn't mean an early move cannot happen because the race is quite shorter than the men's race. So, therefore, I don't know. But... I think the breakaways are not really given that much usually when it comes to women's races recently. We looked at Brabant's women's race last week and to be honest, like the early breakaway, there was none for 50, 70 kilometers at the start of the race. So I don't necessarily see a group getting away in the same fashion and getting a bit of a gap. So if someone wants to ride away early, it needs to be happening on the couple sections already, I dare to say, to get an advantage there. And that's where I look at these teams that are outnumbering others, the stronger teams on the start list, to have an advantage. Being able to send riders forward without hurting their favorites in the process, without having to spend their favorites by attacking. The big favorites for this race, a lot of Kapeki on SD Works. There's no Van Vluten here. She crashed here last year. She's not participating for Movistar. Their top rider is the Dane Emma Norsgaard who, yeah, she is a big option for this race. Of course, Mariana Voss, who was second last year, just could not catch uh, Diagnan. She was the strongest from the, I guess, Peloton. She's Yumbo business leader and has reinforcements with Labecki and Tointje Bakehouse was good for Yumbo last year. Trek might even be stronger, as strong as SD Works. Van Dijk, 
The Cinder brand, Longoborghini, Balsamoak, Hold on Rago, who was quite good last year, Loretta Hansen and Hosking, Bastian Elise, the sprint option, who's been great for UAE. I think she topped 10 last year. No Chapman for FDJ. She uh, and I think Uttra Ludwig have been unwell. And so it's Cavalli who won Amstel and Grace Brown. Amelia Farland's also a big engine. Cromwell, Barnes, Shabby, Klein, Roy, Nuviadoma for Canyon Shram is actually quite quite good, but no one there is, a, I think, a top favorite for this race. How do you think SD Works play at Benji? Open open race, flowing numbers, or all for Kopecky? I'd say Kopecky as main leader, but an open race ne- next to that. Like, again, Volring is not at the start for this team. They don't have a Royzer at the start, either on paper yet. Because, again, those starlists are not 100% confirmed yet. But if the team is indeed Kopecky, Vandenbroek, Block, and Majerus, I see that as Majerus and Block being riders that can get ahead while Kopecky is the sprinty option behind, which is a very intriguing strategy to what I said earlier. Like, riders that can go early without hurting the fact that you've still got Kopecky behind if that attack does not work. And therefore, I see Majerus as a perfect option to try and get away somewhat early. She was very strong last year. I think she got a top 10, if I recall correctly, in this race last year. 11, okay, I was wrong. Sorry. I'm very sorry. Apologies. It's one spot difference. But you know what I mean. It's a very good performance. And I see her as one of the stronger riders on couples as well in the peloton. So that option works. And she might not be marked as much as a Kopecky and a Vandenbroek Black, for example. And I think Black is then the option you have in the later phase, where if a group of 10 is ahead with Kopecky, Black, and other riders from other teams, Black is the rider that can roll attacks, while Kopecky can play that defensive role. Or, if there's no other sprinters in the group, Black can just keep on pacing the group. So, it's intriguing, but I think their numerical advantage can play a lot into this race. But I think there's other teams that also have that. I think Lonek Uniken is one of the riders that was great at healthy aging to last year. And then next to that, I think was good at, was it Brugge de Pona this year when it comes to her sprint? I do expect her to fold into a domestique role here. What do you expect of this squad? I think they'll ride for Kapeki, but they still want to drop Balsamo and Norsgaard. It's much, if they go to a sprint with Kapeki against pretty much anyone except those two, they're going to be the heavy favourites to win. So... Yep. They need to attack with riders and force other riders to chase and then re-attack with Quebec and get numbers in groups like basically Quickstep with Bonin back in peak Quickstep Bonin years. I think they try and do the same thing. I do think Bolzamo, I think maybe her first or second race last year after winning the World Champs was in the Rainbow Bands here in Paris Bay, Femovac Swift. She crashed in the wet. I think it was even my thumbnail for the video. Um, she still finished. Uh, like 57th I think a I think a dry addition she can she can win I think Bolsma is really good and SD works need to basically plan accordingly that we need to make this race really open because she has been in just ridiculous form Bolsma and they have a strong team brand favorite in her own right Van Dijk Longoborghini Norsgaard I don't really see how she wins Benji because if the race is set up in such a way that she can win, then Bolsimo should be there. I don't. How could she be in a group with no Bolsimo unless Bolsimo's crashed? I rate Norsgaard a slight bit higher than Balsamo when it comes to on-flat cobble sections. I feel like she's uh, more of a uh, power 
person when it comes to on the cobbles being able to push that for a longer amount of time and therefore punish the sprinty types. And I think Balsamo might be slightly less in that aspect. That's just my opinion based on the races we've seen. And then I look at Kopecky versus the likes of a uh, Norse Yard if it comes to a sprint between those two. And I'd argue it's closer than we probably would dare to think because I think last year in Lotto Turingen Tour, Norsgaard was dominating quite well and Kopecky came later on. I think they both beat each other last year during certain races. So if those two go to a sprint, I don't necessarily think I know who to pick. Although I'd probably pick Kopecky a slight bit higher. But you're right, if Balsamo's still in the wheel, then it's Balsamo. Depends. After a harder race, we don't know. With no, there's no Lisa Brennell here. Unfortunately, she's had COVID. She was one of the big, big favourites last year and probably would have been this year. Suits really well on Sarah Tissett WNT Pro Cycling. So, yeah, that's unfortunate for her. Uh, they have Confolonieri, who has been quite good this season. So that's their option. DSM have no Francisca Koch on the start list on PCS at the time of recording. She came top 10, probably the biggest surprising name to be on that uh, in the top 10 last year. But my my hot take to win this is Pfeiffer Georgie on DSM. Ooh. I think she can win from a small group sprint, like of three riders. I think she's she's really good. Showed the British national champs on a, that was a cobble climb, but that was in wet conditions. I think she's a serious cobbled rider, and I think Roubaix suits her more. I don't think she has the maybe the acceleration to follow like a Kopecky attack on a cobbled climb, but Roubaix gets ahead of the race because I don't think Vivas can can win. Um, I think it's too hard. Maybe that's wrong, but yeah, I like Pfeiffer Georgie. Why do we? Why have we not spoken about Mariana Vos as? Amazingly, as we would in previous years, is that because we feel like her preseason has not been that great, knowing she only did three races and actually did pretty well in two of the three? Um, so, yeah, what, what how's she done? Fran Vavelham is like huge peloton and she lost the sprint to Baltimore. So that's that's fine. She's not expected to win that. Strata mm-hmm. Bianca, she looked a bit off and she got dropped by a lot of riders, seventh, still not the worst and not that indicative of how you go in Roubaix. I think it's the Flanders result, Benji. Like 20th, maybe, and maybe she just didn't bother sprinting for 10th. Bastianelli, she was in the same group as Bastianelli who sprinted for 10th, a minute 10 behind. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're right. I think, I think she should be the favorite actually. <laughs> I just I just hadn't got I just hadn't got round to her and she was who I was going to pick cuz she still has the handling cyclocross legend um yeah, I think I don't know what why is it? Is it just cuz she hasn't raced? I think that's the case. She hasn't raced that much and therefore we haven't seen her too much and I actually don't know the reason behind her not racing that much. I think she focused on the cyclocross in the initial part of the season and perhaps is slowly building up or perhaps she had an illness somewhere that we don't know about so yeah I think I do expect quite a bit from her and especially that cyclocross background helped her a lot last year as she got that solid result of second last year and when we think about the team of Jumbo last year it was one of the teams that was mostly represented towards the end like between couple sections that was the team that kept pacing that 20 women group behind Dying every single time. Between every cobble section, riders like Tönchebeckhuis and Romy Kasper were there to work 
for the likes of Mariana Vos. Yes, that team is not the deepest in there, but they were there. And I do think their team is sometimes stronger than people expect. Jana Marquez is also a, a pretty strong rider in that aspect. Now, I don't want to mention, we've spoken about CX riders in the form of Mariana Vos. But we haven't spoken much about Lucinda Brandt, where I think last year she skipped Roubaix as one of the riders that was named a lot for that race. And she ended up doing the cyclocross races at that period instead. But she was one of the names that we mentioned a lot, even in our preview last year. If she was going to do it, we would have seen a good result, I think. So I think this is the one race in the season where I'm like, listen up, Brando, okay, this is a name that really fits on this parkour. And obviously in that team of Trek, you've also got Ale Van Dijk, who is one of the favorites for this race on paper directly. That's why I said, and I think, if possible, Trek Segafredo was stronger than SD Works. Brand versus Vandenbroek Black. Brand could be stronger. Van Dyke against Majerus. Van Dyke can be stronger. Longo Borghini and Cicchini. ELB, Cordon Rigaud and Fournier. It's very possible they have the strongest overall team and they have probably the, no, the fastest rider, assuming Vivas doesn't make it to the finish. So, yeah. I think they should, but that's the thing, if they have an open and aggressive race with those riders, then Bolzamo is less likely to win, but Brand can win solo, Van Dijk can win solo, so can ELB. Uh, but yeah, Trek, I think, might be the strongest team in the race. Movistar, I'm circling back to them, Benji. They haven't, they're not bringing Sierra, at least according to PCS. I'm kind of surprised by that. Sierra fourth at Flanders, I think, like... Why not? Um, I think she's more fitting towards everything that includes Spongy Hills. And that might be the reason that her focus is also on the likes of an LBL and also on the likes of a Flesh and so forth. And we saw it at Amstel recently. And keeping that all in mind, I think Roubaix might be skipped as a consequence of that, where her skills lie in the punchy type and not necessarily in the flat couple type. That's at least what I base this on. But I actually don't remember if she rode. Rubain Lassi, rather, uh, what didn't. is it? Astana Monex, whatever it was called, Iron Monex. Yeah, she didn't, you're right. But I just don't see Rubain as much as I see every race that has hills for her. So that's, it's still probably going to be the big teams, Trek, Yamba Visma, SD Works, duking it out. Former Voss, I, I'm reluctant to ever doubt her. She is my pick to win this race, Mariana Voss, with Pfeiffer Georgie being my dark horse. Uh, now maybe there's no betting odds that I can see for this race, so maybe Pfeiffer Georgie would have been the fifth favourite, but I don't think that would be the case. And um, book Marta Bastinelli, top 10, put your life on it. I reckon top 10 is a lock. What's your view for this race, Benji? I think that when it comes to this race, I see the likes of Lucina Brand, the likes of Majerus or uh, Lonica Unikin, riders like that forming a earlier move that might get relatively far into the final if the peloton doesn't watch out and then i look at the team of jumbo visma and i'm like okay i don't think they can control a a group like that getting away too easily so if there's too many dangerous riders in a group like that that's going to be very intriguing to see where that can land but i think my winner for this i jesus christ i'm always so bad at like choosing the actual winner at the end of these podcasts, but 
I'm going to go ahead and choose the likes of an Lucinda, not Lucinda Brandt. No, not Lucinda Brandt. I'll go with Lotte Kopecky. Yeah, I'll stay true to my Belgian heart so that I don't get deported because of my previous uh, choices of not picking Wout van Aert for Men's Roubaix. So that way I get the Belgian citizens on my side again. And I think we can all be happy about that. Lotte Kopecky wins in a reduced group sprint in the velodrome and therefore becomes one of the best riders when it comes to uh, the classics this year, 100% after winning RVV and Strade Bianche. I see that ahead of me. When it comes to outsiders, I don't know. I um, We've got a, a pretty large following when it comes to Germans for the podcast, so I'd love to say that I want to see Mika Kruger get into a group and do something crazy, Taco Vanderhorn style. So uh, yeah, outsider Mika Kruger, why not? She's got a big engine. It's certainly possible if she gets in a breakaway early. Uh, I'm just seeing that I'm not sure if the DSM women's team are also using that tire pressure device. Uh, but yeah, could Lorena Vivas, she's able to adjust her tire pressure, bumps it up to 85 PSI, 90 PSI for the velodrome <laughs> and does a supercharged sprint and laps everybody. Um, I'm not sure if that's how that tire pressure management thing works. Um, but yeah, can you see how that works? If it is used in the women's race, should be a great addition. The prize money has been boosted. As well, according to Vela News uh, from uh, O'Shea, it's, her article says that it's boosted to 50,000 euro for the second edition, which is a huge increase. Uh, whether Zwift has anything to do with that, I'm sure it doesn't hurt that Zwift is now the title sponsor of Paris FM Avec Zwift. More coverage, everything seems to be moving in the right direction. So I can't wait to see the first ever dry edition of Paris FM. Avec Swift. Just to, it'll be, I can't wait to see it to compare to last year because yep. we think very strongly that last year the wet edition, as you saw in the men's to previous historical editions, was an anomaly. And that increases the excitement for me this year for the women's race because I'm like, maybe Vivas can win this in the dry. Like, I, yep. I don't know. I don't think she can, but we, we don't know yet. So that's why I'm really excited for this weekend. Any last thoughts, Benji? Very much looking forward to it. Same thoughts. I want to see the race dynamics on Saturday and Sunday to see whether it plays out similarly to what we expect. And I just hope that we've got a very good race. I want it to open up early, but I don't want the race to be decided early. I want to have tension until the last moment. Kind of like, uh, what was it? Roubaix 2016? The one that Bonin got second and got destroyed by that villainous character called Matthew Heyman. That was a very good Roubaix because the tension was there. The last few kilometers were probably the most stressful last few kilometers of my entire life of watching cycling. And I want it to happen in both the men's race and the women's race. I want oh, entertainment and stuff around that. I do would f- I would find it funny if that DSM management system for their tires fails for a few riders because that would be, yeah, it would be good content. But on the other end, if it works and it's innovative, that would be pretty cool as well. But all in all, we're looking forward to this weekend. I certainly am, and I hope we've got some good racing that we all can enjoy. Matthew Heyman, great day in Australian history. Sad day for Belgium. I relive it every week before Roubaix. Heyman prepared on Zwift actually before uh, Roubaix. That's a natural sponsor plug, the likes of which you'll never see. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening to the Lantern Recycling Podcast presented by Zwift. We'll see you with the recap of Roubaix on Avec Swift on Saturday and the men's on Sunday. Until then, ciao.